Migration has been one of the main issues on the EU's agenda in recent years. We at ICMPD have been looking to provide our expertise in this important field for more than 25 years. However, it is the first time now that we see displacement and human suffering at such a large scale as in Ukraine over the course of last month. My name is Elizabeth Minkov, ICMPD Communications Officer, and today we will be talking exclusively with our Head of Region to get an overview of the situation on the ground. In the studio here with me, I have Mr. Radim Jak, ICMPD Head of Region for Eastern Europe and Central Asia. Dear Radim, let me extend a very warm welcome and thank you for your time. Thank you for the invitation, Elizabeth. I'm glad you made it here today, as you must be extremely busy these days. Well, busy. Yes, we are busy. We do what we can and it's, it is still not enough, I think. Wow, this sounds pretty intense. Let me introduce today's uh, podcast. So today will be slightly different from our latest episodes as we speak about the highly volatile situation that is constantly changing as we speak. And therefore, it will be more personal in a way. It will be more about um, your views. And um, I want to take our listeners on a journey back on the ground to Ukraine. I would like to start by getting an overview of ICMPD's activities in Ukraine and what the main points of actions were. And then I would like to also profit from your knowledge as migration expert with lots of years of experience, 18 with ICMPD alone. And I would like for you to assess the situation for Ukrainian refugees in Europe, as well as the ones who still reside in Ukraine, which of course is still the vast majority of people. And as in our previous podcasts, I'm also particularly interested in how you assess uh, the actions of the European Union. So without any further ado, let's start and go back to the year of 1993, if I'm informed correctly. This is when the cooperation with Ukraine started. So that was also the year that ICMPD was born as an organization. Can you paint the picture for us? How did cooperation look back then at this founding year of ICMPD? I was not with the organization in 1993, mm -hmm. but I am aware of the importance that the organization had been attaching to cooperation with Ukraine as a main partner, an important partner in the Eastern dimension, so to say. I believe that the cooperation as such was established both bilaterally but also multilaterally within the Budapest process, which is an intergovernmental platform for dialogue on migration issues. And uh, to more specifically as a milestone of our cooperation, I would take the year 1995 when ICMPD and two migration bodies of Ukraine back then signed a memorandum of understanding. Mm -hmm. The one that still exists is the State Border Guard Service. The Another one that was the, was the predecessor of the today State Migration Service of Ukraine. With the changing mandate of the bodies that we agreed on cooperation with, uh, we decided to renew our formal cooperation back in 
2019, when our director general visited Kiev, met with the heads of State Board Guard Service and the State Migration Service, and agreed to sign two separate documents formalizing our cooperation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which we understood and still understand as a step towards formal recognition of ICMPD status in Ukraine as international organization. Right. And what happened between 1995 and uh, 2019? Many things happened in this period. One can refer to Budapest process that I mentioned earlier and uh, numerous senior officials meetings, expert level meetings, ministerial conferences too. One can also refer to the Prague process that was established in uh, 2009, which Mm -hmm. is similar to Budapest process, however, focusing on countries of still so-called post-Soviet territory, Mm -hmm. as well as Turkey, Western Balkans and all EU member states and Schengen area countries. Our focus was also recently on migration narrative and work with journalists and media regarding how to report on migration issues in an objective way Mm -hmm. or in, in, in an improved way. However, that was until recently, until a month and one day ago, when we had to adjust our work to emerging, challenging realities. And now crisis hit now a war has started. Did you already anticipate it on a managerial level? I assume you have been watching the situation closely over past weeks, uh, at least. How did this all go down? Yes, um, it is indeed an unprecedented crisis situation. It's unprecedented aggression of the Russian Federation on Ukraine that has resulted in relocation or displacement um, of numerous citizens of Ukraine and third country nationals from the territory of Ukraine that um, could have been expected but nobody really really believed that it will really happen because um, the situation and the the idea or possibility to imagine that something like this would happen would be close to surreal and now we see how many people are affected how many victims this conflict has brought and how much of suffering there is. We have seen relocation or escape from one day to another of millions of people from Ukraine. As of today, I think we are close to 3.6 million according to UNHCR data from recent days. Some countries are preparing for a larger influx depending on how the conflict develops, considering the possibility of this number growing to 5, 8 or even 10 million. Is this something that is already being discussed that it could be up to 10 million? Well, I'm uh, referring mainly to publicly accessible information and what one can see either in media, on websites of different EU member states, of international organizations, or what we can hear also from ICMPD member states. So let's say this might be a scenario that we would hope will not happen, but one needs to be, Mm -hmm. be prepared for. I think we are talking about a country with... 44 million inhabitants that is in direct neighborhood of EU member states and who are moving from the east that is under imminent threat and under imminent attack of the Russian aggression 
towards the west. This is the most logical way and of course uh, they are moving further on to their neighbors, to Poland, to Slovakia, to Hungary, Romania, to Moldova, which is not EU member state and which is very much affected by the crisis considering the economic situation mm -hmm. and the population of the country, which is, let's say, a path from Ukraine towards Romania and further mm -hmm. on to the European Union. So basically there is a possibility there that we will see many 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 more million of uh, ukrainians fleeing to the west but we basically we don't know i think no one can assess this at the moment at this moment also as a month ago i think we can be drawing different scenarios but nobody can really say what are the russian plans and capacities capabilities to continue with their invasion in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. we, we don't know this. Um, let's go back a little bit to your um, project work. How did you then cope with the situation in terms of business continuation? Well, the immediate reaction from the ICMP side when it comes to the ongoing project where our team was based in Kiev was, of course, the security of our colleagues. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, we are speaking about their relocation to safety. Some of them have left Ukraine and are now in territory of EU member states. Some of them are unfortunately still in the territory of Western Ukraine, near Lvov, near Chernivtsi, considering relocation over the Polish or Romanian border. However, uh, their work continues. The colleagues are still working and we have adjusted the objectives of the project to the immediate needs of our beneficiaries. With the war, it is no longer business as usual. So the funds that had been there for various purposes, for the business process analysis, for whatever else, all has now been concentrated and repurposed for assistance that our colleagues and partners and friends in Ukraine need. So I simply has been focusing on procurement and there one can mention uh, the provision of ready-to-eat meals, the provision mm -hmm. of first aid kits, the provision of self-inflammating mattresses or goods or materials of um, self-protection such as helmets or bulletproof vests that are being considered in very close coordination and cooperation with the State Border Guard Service, with the State Customs Service and with the donor, of course, with the EU delegation in Kiev. That is pretty impressive that the project has been, and also the donors um, have been willing to repurpose the money in such a speed. And from a very practical perspective, I heard the question very often, what is the situation like uh, on the ground? Is it even possible to deliver all these purchased goods to, well, everywhere or to just certain places? Where our abilities as international organization currently cover identification of producers, insurance of transportation of the procured goods to the borders of Ukraine, either to the Polish-Ukrainian border or to Romanian-Ukrainian border, where our counterparts take over uh, the material and distribute with their, within their own channels to where it's needed. Mm -hmm. So you take a quite a 
practical and unbureaucratic approach here, which uh, which is, yeah, I think this is very impressive. But also for ICMPD, it's interesting because it's quite an untypical thing to do, to be in a emergency and crisis situation that wouldn't normally, under normal circumstances, ICMPD does not provide, let's say, this type of um, humanitarian aid almost, right? Well, the situation is changing and ICMPD is increasingly, unfortunately, obtaining more and more experience in such crisis situations. One could think of what happened in Afghanistan last year in mm-hmm. in August, where also ICMPD project team was there on the ground in Kabul. And we learned our lesson from that, which now is being used of in another crisis that is taking place just in our neighborhood. So yes, indeed, uh, the reaction was rather flexible. It is a force majeure situation, a crisis, and I think it is highly appreciated that ICMPD was able to accelerate uh, the procurement to provide with the materials that are needed right now and to identify producers on a market that is now for goods that are high on demand currently, not only by our organization, but by everybody who is there willing to support Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I would like to move on to your expertise regarding the refugee situation. And at the moment, um, close to 4 million people have fled Ukraine. Uh, Most of them have fled to uh, Western Europe. And this is, of course, an unprecedented situation. We've already covered this. Can you uh, explain why almost two-thirds have fled to Poland? Well, um, the reaction would be one when looking at a map. Uh, this is a simple explanation of geographical proximity. When you look at uh, where Ukraine is located, from which sides the aggression is coming, the only choice to flee to safety is towards west. Poland has always been a receiving country, even uh, the biggest when it comes to the number of labor migrants coming from the Eastern Europe and Central Asia region. And uh, there was always high demand of the labor force from Ukraine, which has several explanations, be it the geographical proximity, be it the historical proximity, the language proximity, and the proximity when it comes to understanding of each other. What we could see as a reaction to uh, the influx in European Union member states is extraordinary wave of solidarity, mm-hmm. extraordinary and swift reaction to the influx that is unprecedented. The willingness to provide everybody who is coming from Ukraine, be it citizens of Ukraine, be it third country nationals with legal status in Ukraine, to provide them with a shelter, with assistance, with Mm. psychological support, with accommodation, meals, whatever a person that is fleeing a war would need. That is really impressive, in fact, yeah, I would agree. There are very important elements, is not only that the number of refugees is enormous, it is also the time frame within which this wave has reached the neighboring countries. So looking at the map, of course, it is Poland, Um, As of yesterday, I think 
the number of received refugees was 2.2 million, followed by Romania, that is close to 600,000, followed by Moldova, that despite of being a small country, has received close to 400,000 refugees from Ukraine, and further on followed by Hungary and Slovakia. Right. However, also among the receiving countries in the UNHCR statistics, one can notice Russia with 270,000 and Belarus with something close to 6,000 refugees. Mm -hmm. The efforts have been not only on the side of these countries and their governments when the provision of uh, shelter was organized swiftly, but also by the European Union itself. There also one can observe fast reaction, be it the activation of the temporary protection directive or be it allocation of financial means to support Ukraine in these difficult times. Do you know anything about the cooperation between the EU and the Ukrainian uh, government or maybe the migration, uh, the state migration service? Or is there a dialogue at the moment or are they busy with, let's say, emergency action? Well, I believe there is dialogue in many areas. Uh, one can imagine the area of security and military, which is not... Uh, the area of competence of our organization. But of course, there is enormous political support provided to Ukraine. We could see the exceptional visit of prime ministers from Poland, Czech Republic and Slovenia to the occupied mm. Kiev, a meeting with President Zelensky. We can also see how President Zelensky approaches different parliaments of EU member states, but not only those. So that is a form of dialogue that we see, we read about in newspapers and see in media. I believe there is also direct communication and assistance provided where ICMPD, to my opinion, also serves as an instrument mm. when it comes to providing concrete support to those who need it at this very moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Given that the aggression may end at some point, do you think that... Um, ICMPD will stay in the region and will stay and continue working in Ukraine? I would very much wish for the conflict to end as soon as possible in a peaceful way, in a diplomatic way, in a form of dialogue. And I would wish Ukraine to come back to normal lives, to families to reunify and the country to rebuild and focus on its future. There is a number of challenges that we will face. Even if the war ends today, many cities have been damaged, many families have separated. Looking at the composition of the flow from Ukraine to the European Union and Moldova, it's mainly women who are coming and 50% roughly are children. Mm, that's a lot. It is a lot and I feel sorry for, for them. And uh, that is a result of war. That is also a result of the fact that male at the age of 18 to 60 cannot leave the country because of the state of war. So I believe that uh, once this conflict is over, we will be looking at uh, reunification of families or return of migrants back to their home country uh, that will need to rebuild and re-establish itself. Before that, we can look at, uh, let's say, three different um, time frames or reactions that are there currently. 
One is immediate reaction or emergency situation which we are facing right now. As I said, the EU member states and Moldova are reacting in the best way possible, providing with whatever is needed. Also, their capacities are limited, so we could see that the flows will continue further on, that they will not stop in their direct neighborhood, but continue to other countries within the EU where Mm -hmm. Ukrainian diaspora is present. We talked about this, by the way, in a in a different podcast, which uh, our listeners can also hear if they wish to, where we discuss this in in more detail how this entire protection directive works and how people can still move within the EU. Sorry to interrupt. Please go on. Well, uh, we can see already now the the influx that is there towards uh, the Czech Republic, which is hosting close to two hundred and seventy thousand. Ukrainians. We can see that also Austria has been receiving quite a number of Ukrainians, which uh, some of them continue further on to countries where they have links to, where they have their families or where they have friends, colleagues. This could be Germany, can be Greece, it is also um, Spain, Portugal as well. And one should not forget that there is not only the EU, but also other countries are open to receiving and helping Ukrainian migrants. One can immediately look in the direction of the United Kingdom mm-hmm. on Canada or the United States where the diaspora of Ukrainians is also quite substantial. Other than um, the immediate reaction to the emergency, one can also look at it from the perspective of mid-term and long-term planning. What will be important now for, for the European Union or for international community of our neighbors of Ukraine is uh, develop contingency plans for what's next. We are now receiving, registering, assisting people who are coming on a daily basis. A lot will then depend on the duration of the conflict, on its further escalation, on its geographical growth. Mm -hmm. So uh, what comes next is for receiving countries to think about education of the children that are arriving, which represent a huge share of the flow. What to do with integrating the arriving families or women into the labor market, what it means for health care or what it means for understanding between the receiving societies and the arriving societies from a longer term perspective when the initial enormous wave of solidarity might be decreasing with time. One can also also think in a long-term perspective when the conflict is over, what will it mean for those countries that received the millions of Ukrainians when it comes to potential return of these back to their home country to re-establish it and reconstruct everything that has been damaged. Mm-hmm. One can think what will it mean for the services with which we cooperate the border guards and the customs when it comes to border crossing points that have been damaged, the damage to the infrastructure that has been made, all the possible negative impact on uh, state structures. One can think also what will be uh, with uh, foreign fighters that have arrived to Ukraine or, or to Russia. What can be with the elderly and children and orphans left behind? What can be also uh, with those who have arrived to the EU and might be a potential targets for organized crime or trafficking in human beings? 
that all needs to be addressed in some way. And while we are all concerned about the future of Ukraine and the Ukrainian people, one should also keep in mind those Russian citizens and Belarusian citizens who don't agree with the current aggression, who are mm -hmm. fleeing the country, disagreeing with uh, what the regime has launched against the neighbor and the close nation historically and also from many other perspectives. So what will happen with those who will be applying for asylum or looking for another place to live and continue their business? One can think of uh, impact on countries from the Eastern Partnership Group that have ambitions to access the European Union, where in this group together with Ukraine is Moldova and Georgia, which both countries are in difficult situations when it comes to frozen conflicts, separatist regions. Can you just elaborate? So it's not possible to join the European Union or to become a member if you have uh, disputed territories, right? That I think is a question for politicians. I would rather think in terms of, and here I really am speaking of something that I would personally not want to see, of spreading of the conflict to the territories with Russian presence like Transnistria, South Ossetia or Abkhazia. With the accession to the European Union, I don't dare to assess. But I believe that uh, there is still time which this process will take. Mm -hmm. One should also look at the other countries that will be affected by the conflict. That goes maybe slightly beyond the topic of our talk, but it is impact on Armenia, which is receiving uh, big numbers of Russian citizens recently. And that, again, we also run projects in Armenia, so you also have sort of feedback from this region or from this country. Yes, we are closely monitoring through our offices in Armenia, in Yerevan, in Georgia, in Tbilisi mm. and in Azerbaijan, in Baku, what the potential impact could be, what is the potential security threat. And of course, we'll be putting together ideas for responding to the current situation, which is still developing. Right. But one should also distinguish between those countries with ambition to join the European Union those who are maybe uh, members of other regional structures, such as the Euro-Asian Economic Union, the Collective Security Treaty Organization, or the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. And here again, I would be looking at another sub-region within the region of Eastern Europe and Central Asia, and that is Central Asia, mm -hmm. where hundreds of thousands of labor migrants are in the Russian Federation. Some of them might be willing to return. Some of them have changed their mind of traveling for work to Russia, which is um, under sanctions of the international community. Mm -hmm. So economic challenges can be expected also there and Central Asian countries will be looking for how to diversify their external labor migration. Mm -hmm. And of course, going further beyond the topic of our talk today, They will also be looking at where to go now. Uh, the initial idea and high on the list of interest, here speaking of Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan and Tajikistan, would be European Union member states who are currently receiving um, the Ukrainian citizens that could also interpret as that the labor market will now be... Opened? Well... 
the needs of the labor market will be covered now. Yeah. So um, in the EU, in the EU, by the Ukrainian citizens. So the reaction in the long term planning could also be that it will be the Kyrgyz, Tajik, Uzbek labor force that will be helping Ukraine to uh, reconstruct the country, to renew or re-establish the damaged cities, the infrastructure, mm -hmm. and to add to building Ukraine anew. I think it's very good that you're mentioning the dimension that this conflict is taking, because, of course, you have now clearly shown that this impacts so many different countries and this conflict goes far beyond just Ukraine. It's really many, many countries and especially with regards to migration, labor migration that are now also quite directly affected. There is a saying that if a butterfly moves its wings on one side of the globe, it can result in a tsunami on the other side of the globe. So I think also this crisis will have an impact that we don't see right now or only sense that it will come. But it is possible to predict that conflict between Ukraine and the Russian Federation being the biggest in the world producers of wheat uh, will have an impact on a number of countries that make use of, of this product and one can sense the impact on African countries already, one can sense the impact on countries where Russia has been present and involved like the conflict in Syria. Is there something I would like to come to, to, to an end now? Because this can go on forever, of course, uh, especially when we start looking on all the butterfly effects that this uh, produces. What would be your best case scenario at the moment? The best case scenario would be to go one month and one day back and imagine the world without a war and the conflict that, that we are facing now. Realistically speaking, right now, the best case scenario would be that the war stops, that uh, peace is reestablished, families are reunited, and people can live their normal lives, ordinary lives, when children go to school, families or parents go to work, and that's the biggest problem one has. But even if the war stopped today, the damage has already been done. So there will be a lot of work, a lot of challenges that Ukraine will be facing. And very good signal is that now they know they can rely on EU and its member states. Many thanks, Radiv. This is um, very well said. And I can also uh, add from my side that I hope for peace to return to Ukraine sooner than later and that also in the meantime we as ICMPD as colleagues as friends as partners um, for our member states and strategic partners stand ready to provide all the support that we can to the country and to its people and both on a professional and of course on a personal level as well it was great having you here today i hope you also enjoyed our conversation and um, this would be it from today's podcast many thanks to all our listeners and to you radim bye-bye Stay up to date on ICMPD's activities and visit our website icmpd.org, sign up for our newsletter and follow us on social media.